Okay. Hello, everybody. Round two. Round, well, yeah, very It, it was like four seconds of round one, so. Yeah. Um, this welcome. is Midwest Madness. <laughs> I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. We're a true crime cult conspiracy encrypted podcast. Yes. You looked like you couldn't remember all of them for a sec, but you nailed it. To be honest, very sleep deprived. <laughs> Don't have much of a noggin today. Yeah. That's okay. I'm going to take a nap after you leave. That sounds nice. I'm going to do homework. So. Cool. Well, I told you a story last week. So, obviously, that means it's Danielle's my turn. turn. Yay. Okay. So, um, I did another listener suggestion. Oh, gee. I yeah. know. Um, this one I've actually had for a really long time. So, I kind of felt bad that I hadn't done it yet. Um, but this was suggested to us by one of our listeners who asked to go by the initials of M, the number two, so M2F. Okay. So, um, and I actually didn't even write down their real name, so that's perfect. Awesome. <laughs> but, so thank you so much for sending in the idea. Um, we would like to encourage others to please send in story ideas. They're fun to do. Um, let's get started. Okie dokie. Okay, so... Um, this story is uh the Bentler family murders. Do you know this one? Maybe. Okay, so um I don't think I'd ever heard of it, but the Bentlers lived in Bonaparte, Iowa, which is in southeastern Iowa. No, I don't think I've heard of this then. Okay. Um they were a family of six. It was mom Sandra, dad Michael, daughters sheena who was 17 shelby 15 and shane s-h-a-y-n-e okay i think it was yeah i just missed the n on the first one and she was 12 and then they had a son named sean who was 22 so are you noticing a trend with with this family (laughs) yes yeah we uh, used to have neighbors that did that too but anyways um on October 14th, 2006, a 911 call starts our story. Um, Shane, the youngest, was the caller, and she can be heard telling dispatchers that her brother was going to do something. Oh. In the background of the call, Sandra, their mom, can be heard saying, no, Sean, no, before a gunshot is heard. Another of my sources did say that Sandra can be heard saying, Sean, don't. Before the gunshot is heard, so I'm not entirely sure which one's accurate. They're kind of along the same lines in a way. Yeah. Um, allegedly, the the 911 call can still be heard online, but that is just really not my jam. I You don't like listening to 911 calls? It depends. Um, this just doesn't... Shane is 14. That's a very young child, and this is the last moment of her life. And I just really don't need to hear that for my own mental health. Like, I just don't need to hear that that kind of a, a thing. Also, Shane as a girl's name. You cool. Love, I love it, right? Yeah. With the Y in there. So yeah. cool. Um, so I just, I didn't want to listen to this one. If they're in like a dateline, sometimes I find them really annoying. Like when they're like totally faking their panic. And you're like, oh my God, shut up. Oh, you mean like if it's a husband who killed yeah, a wife yeah he's like oh my god my name is and it's like oh you're totally faking bro you know um but i yeah i just it's not my jam 
all the time. So I just decided not to listen to it. Um, and then also in the call, Shane can be heard screaming, Sean, no, after the gunshot is heard. And then um, after both Shane yelling and the gunshot, the line goes dead and all calls back from the 911 dispatcher go unanswered. So obviously police are dispatched and they arrive a few minutes later um, and the bodies of Michael, Sandra, Sheena, Shelby, and Shane are all found in the home with several shell casings scattered around the house. Um, Michael and Sandra had a nearly $3 million estate um, and police believed that this was the motivation for the murders. Okay, but... Like, you're going to be suspect number one, yeah. even if there wasn't a 911 call. Yeah. So, um... Like, why? how do you ever think you're going to get away with that? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, the two businesses that they owned um, that had given them the, all this money was a green elevator and a lumber company that was in Mount Hamill, Iowa, and both businesses served much of the area because like as you know ton of small towns usually like there will be one big thing and then everybody just uses that big thing um so they were really well known in the area and like everybody knew who the kids were and kind of knew the family so um it naturally only took police a couple of hours to find and arrest sean after the murder of his family there's got to be more to this story. I, I mean, I ha- yeah, I have more. Like, there's got to be a twist. It can't be this just straightforward, can um, it? Let's, let's okay. just keep going. Okay. Um, so, Sean had never been in trouble before this with the law, so he was described by friends as nice and a friendly person. Um, at the time of the murders, he was living 60 miles away, from Bonaparte in a town called Quincy. So police find him in the apartment that he's living in in Quincy after his family is murdered. Okay. How long did you say? A couple hours? Um, 60 miles. No, no, no. After oh, did they arrest I, him? It didn't. It just said within hours. I couldn't give you a specific like it was one hour is two hours. That so wouldn't, it wouldn't be uncommon or like he would have had time to drive there, commit the murders, drive back and still... More than likely, he did. 60 miles is only an hour. Going 60 miles an hour. Yeah, roughly. So, um, and then also, like, he lived alone. Yeah. Um, He had had a roommate before, um, but at that time, he didn't. Um, And his former roommate, Keith, um, is the one that... So, they talked to him, and obviously, like, he's in my sources. Um, And so, Keith said that Sean as an adult had to ha- um had money problems and this was due to an abil- inability to hold down a job so he had worked for his dad for a while and then he got fired and then he moved to Quincy and then had been bouncing from job to job for a, a while did he go to college um he did he went to and I think I still have it on this source that's still up um Let's see. Sorry. He went to John Wood Community College. Okay. 
but I don't think he graduated because it says um, he just attended that for a few months. So that doesn't sound like he graduated from college to me. Right. Um, so Keith also said that Sean was always behind on bills and he had two young daughters and he was always behind on their child support. Two daughters at 22? Yeah. Okay. It sounds like they were very little kids, like under the age of three. Did he Um, have a girlfriend then or? No, not from what I found. Um, and it sounds like both of the children have different moms. Okay. So, um, Keith also said that when they were living together before the murders, Sean would take trips to his family's homes and home and would often come back with things to pawn for money. Um, Keith said that after the murders, he realized that Sean must have been getting them from his family, either stealing them or being given the things like it was like jewelry and like family heirlooms and stuff. Okay. Um, after hearing about the murders from his mom, Keith went to Sean's apartment where he, cause he and Sean didn't live together anymore at this point. Um, Keith had moved out. Um, but he found Sean sleeping peacefully on the couch. And when he told Sean to call his family, Sean allegedly told Keith that he had left his phone in his mom's car. So he couldn't call his family. Okay. Um, after hearing about them. Oh no, sorry. Just read that one. <laughs> Um, despite what was heard on the 911 call, Sean denied killing his family and pled innocent at his trial. Sean took the stand in his own defense, which you don't really see very often um, anymore, especially when there's such overwhelming evidence against someone. Yeah. Um, because it's not like his mom or his sister are not going to recognize him. You know, like you could argue if it was a random intruder like oh that looks like jack but i don't know if it was jack and like screaming no jack or whatever like we don't i don't know what jack but i just picked a name (laughs) you know so if it was someone that was like a friend or like a acquaintance you could understand mistaking it but his sister and his mom wouldn't know him yeah so it would be harder to be like well no they were just mistaken yeah it wasn't really sean what was his defense? Just that he was innocent was all I found. I don't, I didn't get into the trial too, too much because it was like, to me, the evidence is pretty overwhelming that it was him. Yeah. Like, like I said, if you came into my room to murder me, I think I would recognize That's you. That's why I'm curious, like, how, like, how they even were, like, going to go about being like, nope, wasn't me. Yeah. And that's why I found it so surprising that his lawyer was like okay you can take the stand and didn't like really dissuade him from doing so you know um when sean was on the stand he showed little emotion when talking about his family which doesn't necessarily mean that he's guilty but it's not a good look everyone grieves everyone grieves differently yeah absolutely but also it's not a good look right um he also admitted to stealing money and jewelry to pawn, and then he also stole gas from his family. He also what stole gas? Yeah, like gasoline. Oh, for his car. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then he also admitted that his dad would give him money or would pay for things that Sean needed. So, um, he also 
spoke well of his dad like said that he was a good provider and like didn't didn't like say that he was like abusive or anything just it seemed like he was fine um it said he let let's see he called his father the best provider and another thing about this trial is it was not a jury trial it was oh, just with a judge, judge. Mm-hmm. so he waived his right to have a jury which i mean either way i think he would have been found guilty found guilty in my, in my opinion um so let's see several witnesses claimed that sean often spoke ill of his father and had been heard saying that his dad would be dead soon well yeah um, the mother of one of Sean's daughters testified that he told her he would soon have plenty of money and specifically mentioned his parents' deaths, which you're totally not guilty. It just seems sometimes I just wonder, like, how did you think this was ever going to go? Your what is this? Does he have mental illness or something? N- not that I could find it just it's like are you that arrogant like how in your mind does that make sense like a you're gonna you gain to inherit that much money yeah three million and then you're going around talking about it yeah it yeah so and like i don't know how old his parents were so maybe he could have argued like Oh, no, I just met my parents were really old, so they probably weren't going to be around much longer. Yeah. But, again, I don't... I doubt that. No. And I and I don't know how old his parents were. Um. So, let's see what else. Um. There was also friend, forensic evidence of his mom, Sandra's blood, on the socks that Sean was wearing when he was arrested. Um, it was very small amounts of blood, like high-velocity blood spatter. And experts claimed that impact would be needed to make that kind of blood splatter. So it wasn't like she had cut herself or had injured herself and he just like ripped his sock off to like use it as a tourniquet or something. You know, like that. Yeah. The, there's no logical reason for there being any blood on his sock. Okay. Um. So investigators believe that um, Sean attacked Michael first because his, as his father, he would be the biggest threat you know right. and you want to get rid of the biggest threat first um and evidence showed that michael was hit in the head with the butt of a gun it was a 22 caliber did they ever find this weapon um not that i found but i mean john did have some time to maybe get rid of it and like who knows what his drive looked like you know if there's a river on that drive, you just, as you're driving past, whip it out the window and hope for the best, right? Yeah. So I I don't know what happened with the weapon, but it they did have guns in their house because it's a small farming town in right. Iowa. Right. So, um, and then, uh, so then after he hit him with the gun. Evidence showed that he was shot in the leg and then in the head. The rest of the family was all shot in the head. So his dad had the most damage to him, and that's why police think that that's where Sean started. I wonder why the leg. 
Maybe to keep him from running. Or yeah. being able to stand and fight back. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he has really bad aim. <laughs> That'd be really bad aim. <laughs> um, and that doesn't really seem to track because, like, um, it said in one of my things that, like, they knew it had to be him because um, of the accuracy of the shots. Like, he knew where he was going in the house. He didn't waste a bunch of bullets. Like, it was, like, one and done. Like, he knew how to get through that house. He knew how to get where the light switches were. He knew. And nothing was taken? Nothing was taken from from what I've read and researched. Um, and then, uh, so... After the trial was over, Sean was given four concurrent life sentences and one consecutive life sentence. So what this means, and I looked this up because I was like, I just don't, I don't get the concurrent and consecutive, like what's the difference? So four concurrent sentences, though that means the concurrent ones are all served at the same time. Oh, okay. So if I was charged of two things and they said you're serving them together, it would just count. So I just could do the time for both right. at the same if time. They were like, you get 15 years for this, but 15 years for this, but you can serve them concurrently. You would serve 15 years, yeah. not 30. Yeah, exactly. And then consecutive is a separate sentence. So I would have to serve the 15, first 15 and, and then, then the, the second 15, 15 would start. So he was given four concurrent and one consecutive so that means he's serving one life sentence for the four murders and then one more for the other murder. I wonder why they did it that way. I don't yeah, I don't know. But so in the easiest words possible, he's serving two life sentences. Right. Um Sean has av- appealed his conviction to the and in my notes it says toe. <laughs> Apparently, I was writing a little too fast. <laughs> um, to the um, Iowa Supreme Court, but as of now, um, let's see, when was my note? 20. Nope, that's the wrong one. Sorry. So, as of when that one is written, and I'll check it in a minute, um, it hadn't gone through yet, and I didn't see anything about it being reviewed or, or there being any update on that but i can definitely double check um he's serving time in anamosa state penitentiary which is in iowa um a judge has ruled that sean cannot receive the three million dollars that he allegedly killed his family for and instead it's going to his two daughters well i mean at least that's good. Yeah. Um, so in Iowa, there is a law that prohibits convicted murderers from benefiting from their victims' murders, which seems kind of like a like a no shit kind of law. Like it, you shouldn't be able to murder someone and then benefit from their murder. Was like, that like when like murderers write books or? Um. No, because no. it's not. They're not benefiting. Like it's. It's your, if I killed you, I could not benefit from your assets. Okay. But I don't think that means if they wrote a book because that wouldn't be your asset. That would be. Yeah, I get what you're saying. At least from what I understood from the um, information that I read. Um, so here, here's my question for you. 
Do you think that the three million is enough of a motive for him to have done this? Yeah. You don't think there could have been? Because I, it seems weird to me that he went from getting money from his dad and having his dad help provide for him and like he was still getting money from his family by just taking things so like what triggered this sudden change from petty theft to a mass murder maybe he was caught and then his dad was like cutting you off yeah i don't know it just it i feel like something has to have happened like i i don't think that nothing happened and he was just like you know what fuck this i'm just gonna kill my family now like you know what i mean yeah because it just seems and and it said that all my sources said that he wasn't a bad kid and he wasn't in trouble with the law and like the only issues he really had were the money problems and holding down a job so it had to be something money related that's yeah so that's i was just curious if you thought like i'm gonna guess he was cut off for some reason okay that's i mean that's kind of what i would assume too but i just was curious if you thought just like a it was just like he made the snap decision or if something had triggered the decision not that either are okay for murder but i was just curious yeah so that's my story um thank you again for the suggestion m2f uh we appreciate you and we hope you're still listening (laughs) because who knows all right (laughs) your face is really funny i I mean i don't know i sometimes just like we'll stop listening and then i'll pick up later and so i just hope they're still listening okay um my sources were um a couple articles from khqa um which is one of the news stations um nolo.com and Murderpedia and StacyGreenAuthor.com. And our socials, MW Madness Podcast on Instagram and Gmail. Yes. And Midwest Madness Podcast, the group on Facebook. Good job. Getting it down. It's only been nine months later. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, um, we will talk to you next tuesday yes because you're getting your mini you had already got it yeah you had your mini last week yep all right bye yay bye